Welcome to the Wasting Time Podcast. This is episode 27. I am one of your hosts, Chris, and I'm here with Nick. How's it going, Nick? It's good. Episode 27. I think it's episode 27, which, I mean, it depends how you want to look at that. Like, given that we started this podcast in 2015, that's not such a high number. But if you look at how frequently we were doing, or infrequently we were doing the podcast before you joined... It's quite amazing that we've got up to number 27 so quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, with, lo- with, with lots of cool guests as well. Yeah, mate. Oh, I, mate. I mean, not, I mean, we've had obviously historically we've had cool guests, but recently it's been, uh, been some really good ones. I mean, I'm, I'm sure many people would agree. Um, how, how's things been with you? Been up to much recently? Uh, yeah, not, not much on a, on a music sense. Just been super busy with work. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I did get into the the Dolly Rot stuff though, which we were sent in advance from. We yeah. Do you want to? Do you know what? Do you want to just um? We'll hold it off on that just for a minute. Like uh, just what? Like there was a couple of bits of news and 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 new releases recently that I just wanted to run by and see if you've heard them. Oh, okay. If you have, probably you think of probably it? not. But yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, one thing was I saw a lot of people on the internet talking about Motion City Soundtrack uh, coming back to play some shows. Um, thoughts the, on that? Uh, well, the lead singer was did did some was it Slam Dunk, right? He did a oh yeah a thing. yeah I, I know I, did, I didn't yeah. see him but yeah yeah uh, you found it uh, I mean you know I dipped in and out over the years but I wouldn't yeah. call myself a you know, a, a devoted fan, devoted fan to Motion City soundtrack. Right. But you yeah. know, give a give a listen. I you know, wouldn't be dismissive of anything new they bring out. But yeah, you know, what, what what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I like a couple of songs here and there, but I, I was never huge into them. To be honest, I didn't even know that they were they'd gone away. I mean, that's how much they're on my personal radar. But I know they're a big band for a lot of lot of people in our scene, so so you know, it's always cool to see see a band come back and play some shows when they haven't for a while. Well, and I guess that's where where things are at the moment, aren't they? There's there's you know there's a hell of a lot of bands from our kind of era in the in those kind of early two thousands, early nineties, kind of coming back and having having their resurgence at the moment, like which is which yeah. is which is yeah. good to see. Uh, so there was, uh, I saw Blink-182 put out some more new music um, since since that Blame It On My Youth, which was, you know, a bit different for them. Uh, they recently put out Generational Divide. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to that? And if so, thoughts? I did, mate, and I fucking love it. I <laughs> did, really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what's what's not to love? I mean, that's the Blink-182 you, you kind of want to hear, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. Do you like the um the, the dual vocals going on on yes. that as well? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I love that. That is I an lo- affirmative. I love it all. Yeah, it's kind of what 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 I've been crying out for. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So does that get you a bit more uh, excited for the new album then? I think so. Yeah, yeah. We, it's definitely spurred something on. So, um, yeah, we'll see what they've got to give. I guess. Yeah. Cool. Um, another thing that came out this week was Sleeping With Sirens have a new album coming out in September. They've released a single. Do you, do you get a chance to listen to that? No, no, I'll, I'll put my hands up here. They're not, yeah. I mean, it's not something I ever would listen to, but I okay. know we've got some, 
I don't know. Do we say it or not? Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've announced it on social okay. media, so it's so, no yeah. secret. So I know we've got him on, and I know that probably we're both guilty of not really listening to much. But I know you've been listening to a bit of Sleep and Silence since finding out. Yeah. We've got we've got um, Callan on, and you you know you've actually got yeah. got got on board with with some of that stuff, right? Yeah, man. This this new single as well. Um, it's the right balance of like post hardcore super heavy with a nice hook, poppy hook on the chorus take you know takes a couple of listens um but um it's it's well worth it i've you know i've as as i put out on our social media you know i've i've had it on repeat this week and the production's great um previous guest of ours zach savini uh worked on that and yeah, it's. I think it, it gets me really excited for the album. I see Benji Madden's on one of the songs. So, okay, cool. Yeah, two thumbs up from me for sure. Um, speaking of Zach Savini, um, I have been listening to... Uh, do you remember he was talking about that artist Poppy that he works with? Oh, right, yeah. I've been listening to some of her stuff, and she put out, uh, she's put out a single called Choke recently, but a couple of weeks ago she put out one with, you know, that, that uh, heavy band, Fever 333. <laughs> And uh, oh, yeah, yeah. it's called Scary Mask. Uh, check check it out like after this podcast, and we can talk about it on the next one because okay. uh, it's uh, I quite like it. It's but it's it's crazy. It's um, you just have to hear it to to. Uh, it's hard for me to convey okay. uh, how ridiculous it is. But I, you know, I'm, I'm quite ridiculous. It. Like you're not filling me with with positive yeah yeah ridiculous isn't always a bad thing um but (laughs) you'll 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 know what i mean when you listen to it all right okay um but yeah i mean oh there was another thing i wanted to mention i noticed this today um jack barracat from all time lows got some new like pop project like Mm. him and some other guy right and i i i I checked out the song so the art so they're called who hurt you um song is called wish we never met and i think it's a really good pop song so i'd okay. recommend checking that out as well okay in between cool. us. be curious to hear your thoughts on that um but yeah uh, you mentioned dolly rots earlier so um we're, we're hoping to talk to them later in the summer and we were kindly their preston kindly sent us an advance of their album that's out next month Firstly, were you had you were you a fan of this band before? Had you listened to them much at all? Uh, what, was, what was your ex- not really? No, I mean the odd, odd song here and there. I knew of them. I heard a couple of bits and pieces. Knew yeah. they were kind of starting to kind of break onto the scene a little bit, but not really given them the time of day. Okay. Um. So yeah, I listened to the to the record in full, and um, it was a lot. It's a lot poppier than what I was expecting to be honest with you. Um yeah, it is very inc- poppy. It's incredibly poppy. And but I think we've got some really, really strong songs on there. My issue with it is it is it's it's what, like fifteen, sixteen tracks long? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like it could have been they could have just condensed it down to like nine or ten and had had a like a rec like a really strong record start to finish rather than this kind of really long well, a long record where you know, you know, where some kind of some tracks aren't aren't quite yeah. as quite as on point. So, um, but you know, very listenable. Um, you know, very. Uh, there's a 
two or three that really stood out for me. Yeah, that, um, um, I enjoyed. My, my favourite one was um, that song. Um, what's it called? Cat's Meow. Like, uh, it's just it's a very straightforward pop punk song. Like with a riff you feel you've heard before, but it's so catchy. And like that was the one that just went. I had it on repeat when, when I when I first listened to the album, and uh, yeah, what was it? What the, the, oh, so they've already, there's already a couple of singles that they've released from it. Um, everything, which I think is a really yeah. good sort of yeah, that, punk yeah, that, song. Yeah, that great was a, chorus. Yeah, it was a standout for me that one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, do, I mean, I, do, I just think it didn't it doesn't really need to be. I yeah, it's too long. It's a really long record. That could have been condensed yeah. in, uh, you know, some. Yeah, and there was kind of like almost like a jazzy minor chord sounding one where, you know, credit to them, they're trying to do something a bit different, but it just, for me, just completely didn't work, you know? Yeah. Like when it, when they're just doing the, the, the pop punk or the pop rock super catchy melodies, that's when, mm. that's when they really shine through. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, because their last album from 2017, um, it's called Whiplash Splash or something. Yeah, um, Whiplash Splash. Um, I really, really like it. It's not a disappointment. And like the standout songs like really make it worth it. Um, I think No Princess was another one I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, cool. So, you know, like it would have been awkward if, 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 if we hated it and we had them on, but fortunately <laughs> that's not the case. So, you know, like, no, it'd be good. be to... good to see, see what they do and see how that goes for them. Um, but yeah, very, you know, enjoy, definitely enjoyed a lot of that record. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good, good luck to those guys, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know they've been slogging it out for years and they've, and they're married and they take their kids on the road. So, right. You know, really? They, oh, okay. they put in the work. That yeah, sounds, yeah, that, yeah, that sounds interesting. I didn't, yeah, I had no idea about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a really interesting, uh, yeah, guest slot oh, for us. Uh, yeah, oh, really. mate, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if we, particularly if we have them both on, um, it'll be really interesting to hear the, the insight, ins and outs about yeah. that for sure. So, yeah. so yeah, cool. look out for that one. Um, is, is there anything else you want to discuss or should we get into today's guest? I think, yeah, let's just get into it and, um, I know you're a you're a you're a big fan of this guy and and uh, sure. and and his band, so I'll I'll let you kind of I'll let you <laughs> yeah, segue so, into it. Yeah, so we have Max Collins, um, who's uh, most well known for for being the frontman of Eve Six, who are a band. I I, I feel like I first got into them in about two thousand, like because they were sort of, you know along with like the Good Charlottes and the Lits of this world. Uh, so they they sort of came up playing with those bands or and, and well they had success, success before that because uh, well as you'll find out from listening to him and um, they've kind of been active off and on throughout the last decade or so um, but Max Collins is an amazing songwriter he has a an, Eve Six is still active but he does another band called Fitness um, who will link in the show notes who are, who are well worth checking out and uh, he was kind enough to give us quite a lot of his time. And it, it was a really enjoyable chat. So here it is. I just want to say that we have been joined by Mr. Max Collins um, all the way from the States. How's it going, Max? This is Chris speaking. Hi, Chris. Yeah, it's, it's going well. Um, it's going well. I'm just, I just finished up like a pretty long 
tour, like a seven week tour, and then had a one off show that I got back from yesterday in okay. uh, Virginia Beach. So I'm just kind of some I'm here time. for a couple weeks, and yeah, exactly. So yeah, is this? It was the Songs and Stories tour, right? It was. Yeah, exactly. How was that? It it was it was awesome. Uh, I grew up with you know it was it was a tour it was a solo acoustic tour with myself chris collingwood from fountains of wayne art alexakis from everclear john wozniak from marcy playground and uh you know my band like we, we were super young when our first record came out so those those guys and and their songs in particular um art and and Chris were like huge influences of mine. And mm -hmm. um, so it was, it was kind of surreal. I mean, like Fountains of Wayne is literally maybe my favorite band of all time. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had to kind of check my uh, fanboyness a little bit, but there, Chris is, is, is such an incredible songwriter. And of course they're known primarily for Stacy's mom, which is, uh, you know, kind of, kind of tragic, even though I think it's a great, you know, it's a great little pop song, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember like my first introduction to them was like, what were the songs they had back in the day? Well, I don't know how, what stage in their career this is, but I remember like leave the biker and sink to uh, the bottom. I remember that record. Is that, yeah, is that that's the record. Far... Yeah. That's their, that was their first record. And they, they, oh, they had to hit off that yeah. record with radiation vibe that was like uh yeah yeah that was like a pretty big song um but yeah leave the biker he hates that chris that's a chris song he wrote <laughs> it but he but he hates it he like he can't really? stand that song but um <laughs> we we would sort of peer pressure him into playing it and uh there's a, a a pretty pretty great story that he told on stage about um, a, a release party for it. So this is after Radiation Vibe. So they'd had some success. They were on Atlantic. They were going to dump a bunch of money into Leave the Biker, which I, I guess was going to be the second single. And they did a release party at this bar. That's the bar that they based um, Coyote Ugly on. It's not. It's not called Coyote Ugly. It's not. Right. that bar but it's it's somewhere in jersey i think it's called like hogs and heifers or something like that <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and um so they did this release party there every artist from atlantic is 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 there um jewel was there i just i love that jewel was there when you hear the rest <laughs> of the story it's just it's, it's fantastic that jewel was there okay and um okay. so they had the owner of the bar is there he's got like lamborghinis and stuff and he's and he's posing for pictures with um you know um I, i'm trying to remember how chris put it like artificially um enhanced bimbos like and uh so fountains wayne does their performance and then they're loading their gear out and um the owner of the bar is getting filleted on the stage um oh, jesus wow and uh and then he died he he had like a a massive coronary or, or like an overdose or, or something like that. So he's dead. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why I'm laughing, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he's dead. And, uh, and yeah, that was the release party for, 
for Lethal Biker. Right. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So did he did he did he tell that story on stage every night of this tour, or did, did you only manage to get out of him a couple of times? Because it's well, yeah, we got him to say it. We got him to tell it every time he played the song, which was probably he maybe did it like we would do the encore of the show was a Q and A thing where people could um, ask for requests, and he had a hard time denying people who were like, please, please play Leave the Biker. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's such a brilliant song. I mean, he thinks it's like too much of a joke or something, but to me, it's like it's just as sad as it is funny, yeah. or maybe more sad <laughs> than it is funny. It's and, more morbidly funny, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, the song itself I'm talking about, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and I think that it's like that with like a lot of Chris's stuff um, that kind of presents as like a humorous thing, but if if you go a little deeper, it's it's heartbreaking. That that song is definitely a case of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, it's been so many years since I've listened to it. I've just got the chorus going around in my head now. Uh, yeah, that he's got his arm around every man's That's dream. It, yeah, yeah. I mean that crumbs in his beard from the seafood special. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Leave the biker, break his heart. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, you're saying you just you just came off this tour, uh, um, and so where where is it you live? Where, I live in LA. Okay. Are you LA born and bred? I I was born in in New York, in New York City, moved to Miami, Florida, or Coconut Grove, Florida, pretty much the same thing when I was 4. Right. Yeah. And then we moved out here when I was 11, so like right before the 6th grade. Okay. okay. And uh so I I grew up out here, you know. I feel like yeah. Yeah. I this is home. So it's so where did you kind of is is that where you start getting into music? Yeah, well, how did that come about? I, I started getting when I when I was like I don't know maybe eight or nine. I still remember it so vividly. I I was in my dad's Pontiac Parisian station wagon, and which would become my first car, and uh, years later. But um, running down a dream by Tom Petty came on the radio. And I just remember feeling like, what is this magic? Like, you know, as yeah. a kid, I was just like, I was transported. And that began an obsession for me that never really evaded. Like, it's all my allowance money or whatever I could, you know, whatever, you know, pittance I could scrape together from like chores or whatever, I would like save up for records, you know, and well, cassettes. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Yes, growing. Yeah, so um, my like my first, you know, that I was obsessed with with that record. I was obsessed with um, the B fifty twos record with uh, Rome on it. <laughs> right. And then I was obsessed with a lot of just awful, awful shit too, like <laughs> Skid Row's first record, um, like. Yeah, I, I, but, but that, that began my obsession for music, I guess, as like a fan and just, I had this curiosity about it. And then it wasn't until I was, I guess, 13 that I got a bass guitar from like a family friend who was getting rid of it or something. And that's when I started to play. So my, my other my like attendant 
obsession was was skateboarding and then when i picked up the bass and started doing that that's when all my time went to that i would just not that i became like a great bass player but it was like a way to you know were you aware that you kind of had a decent singing voice at that point as well no i i uh uh <laughs> i like the way you put that too it's kind of the way <laughs> the way i put it um okay i, okay. I I, uh, you know, I started to like jam with friends and do little, little, you know, little pretend bands and stuff. And, uh, I remember the guy who was like the singer of our little band in, you know, I guess it would have been like freshman year of high school. Yeah. He was like doing something and I, and I suggested he sing it a little bit differently. And I heard myself kind of sing the suggestion. I was like, Oh, I kind of just did what was in my, in my head. Huh? And, uh, and then I started to kind of sing along to records and wrote my first song. I think I was probably like 16 years old yeah. and, uh, it was called Mildred and it was about a girl who was overweight and she was trying to like conform and she's trying to, you know, she's taking Dexatrim and trying to fit in and then she you know she has this epiphany like fuck it like it was it was actually kind of ahead of its time um <laughs> okay okay and uh and it was i mean it was a terrible song but I, but it was a song and then yeah i guess that that was sort of the you know opening for oh i could kind of do this too and yeah i just had i think i have kind of an obsessive nature and i when i get into something or feel like i have any maybe aptitude for something that I also enjoy that quickly becomes a, a, a primary thing for me. So, so at the time you wrote this song at the sort of age of 16, what, what kind of music were you listening to at that point had like the being into skating influence, like getting into skate punk or anything like that, or was it, or was it more sort of, yeah, skateboarding. Like so I, I went to skateboarding camp in Visalia between, right what would it have been like maybe between seventh and eighth grade. So I'm like maybe 13 or something like that. And up until that point, you know, I remember I was listening to like Pearl jam. I was listening to, you know, sort of the, the obvious stuff. Um, and there I got turned on to the two deads, the, uh, not, not, not the bad, the dead, but the good deads, the dead milkman and the dead Kennedys. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Um, and I became obsessed with the Dead Kennedys in particular, Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death, that record. And that that's what opened me up to, you know, music that flew under the commercial radar, like, um, and just the whole, the subculture of punk that I found so fascinating and, um, and appealing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, by the time I was like you know 15 16 it was all punk it was all punk rock okay. and i think okay. that that's sort of uh you know i feel like people now don't identify as much with a particular genre and maybe that's probably a good thing like people kind of listen yeah. to everything yeah. but back at that time in like the mid 90s you know it was like you pick your you pick your tribe and i was like okay the, this is my these are my people. I can relate. I can relate to this, um, and 
so I I became just I it was all all punk rock and then it would sort of diverge a little bit like I, I would shop by record labels you know and um, you know as I you know at first it was like a lot of uh, well it was bad religion they were huge for me kerplunk when that came out because a friend of mine went and saw Green Day opened for Bad Religion and came back with their Kerplunk record. Yeah. And um, as I started to, I don't know, get a little bit more versed, I started to like sort of listen to some Kill, Kill Rock Stars stuff and K Record stuff and found a band called the Mises who were huge for me from San Francisco. And they were a little bit more, I mean, they still had a punk kind of attitude and they were they were sloppy, but they were also songs. Like they were. What did, what did you What did you say they were called? Sorry. Uh, the Mises, M E I C E S. Okay. Okay. And the record was uh, greatest Bible stories ever told, and it's so it's so good. So I started to I think sort of gravitate toward bands that had that attitude and that sense of abandon and freedom and everything that I loved about punk, but also could write a tune um and the Mises were one of those screeching weasel like um screeching weasel i'd probably call my favorite punk rock band of all time and right okay okay the my brain hurts record um because like you know listening to those i mean obviously he has his his voice you know it's an aptly named uh <laughs> you know band yeah. but like if you take those songs onto acoustic guitar they're they're interesting like they, i mean they, they move you they're good melodically and lyrically he had he has such a wry like you know kind of like wit and spit yeah. and spite about him and i've actually be become I've, I've still never met him but he and i have become online pals he's a oh, we're really? Both really into cigars and i was supposed <laughs> to get together with him on this last tour in madison but i was so just tuckered on my day off that i ended up just oh, kind of resting yeah, but uh didn't work out. Does, is, yeah. so is he a fan of, is he a fan of the music you've made over the years then as well it, it's it's funny i mean it's hard for me to imagine that he would be but you know he yeah. he says he is um right right I, and i i mean I've, de I've definitely like plagiarized from him um like I, you know there's a song called kathy's on the roof again on mm. uh mm on how to make enemies and irritate people and there's an eve six song called on the roof again where i'm you know completely taking what's interesting about the that title and and, and stealing it but um <laughs> you know we were so young when we made those records that i feel I, like i kind of couldn't help but do that a little bit i was like just learning how it how it all works and maybe i'm offering myself excuses i don't um, yeah, well, I, I, I don't, uh, from what I understand, I don't think that's unusual, particularly for a young musician. Um, yeah. So, so what, what, at what point did, did you kind of get together Eve 6 uh, in, well, I know, I know it wasn't Eve 6 originally, but um, yeah, was that around this time that you're talking about when you're 15, 16? Yeah, it was. So I, I would have been, I would have been 16, right? Yeah, sophomore okay. in high school. Um, yeah. John or Sweet Pea, as we call him, would have been 15, but we were in the same grade. I was just a year year older than him. And uh, right, yeah, we were the first incarnation of us was was called Yaku, 
And, uh, you know, like Mildred would have been a Yaku song. And we had a guy named Kyle Briggs who was in, um, do you guys remember the hippos? Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, I remember them doing some drive through, put them on a demo, but I remember them being around in the late nineties and stuff. Yeah. 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 They were like a punk ska thing. He, yeah, he had yeah. been in the hippos. We we found him. We put an ad in in this right, thing okay. called the Recycler, um, and it was like looking for a drummer kind of thing. He answered that, and we started to play around with him, and just all ages places, coffee shops. There was a place called Eagles Coffee Pub in North Hollywood that did all ages shows, and we would you know we'd make a bunch of flyers, and yeah. we we'd do like a show or two a month there, and just. You know, we're in high school at the time, so we're just like passing flyers out all through the school and we just like pack the place. We, I'm trying to remember why Kyle left, but at some, some point in there, Kyle bailed and we got a different drummer named Nick Myers. We were mm -hmm. still called Yaku, I think. No, we changed our name. We changed our name, I think, when we got Nick to 11 teen and <laughs> and we started playing around or you know continued playing around we did a show at a place called the natural fudge company which i know it was an all-ages venue in hollywood i don't remember where in hollywood it was and it definitely doesn't exist anymore but we did a yeah. show there and there was someone from a label called dr dream out of orange yeah. county that was like um it was it was it was a, the label where kind of like all the all the guys from like Steve Soda from the Adolescence new band was on Dr. Dream. Joe Wood from TSOL's new band was on Dr. Dream. They had a band called the Grabbers who were fucking awesome, actually. Um, and this woman was like, you know, you guys are good. You should come come check out the label and, and meet people. So we did. We ended up signing a deal with them. And starting to make a record that Steve Soto um, of the Adolescence was producing and right. like actually started tracking drums. And while we were doing those sessions, the label had coordinated a radio interview performance thing with this show called Radio Asylum run right. by a woman named Jennifer Harold. She came to the Dr. Dream Studios where we were tracking we did an, a little interview with her in a live performance and, and she kind of just dug us and um, sent the live recording to Brian Maloof at RCA, who, who she'd known. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and he, uh, he and, God, what's the other guy's name? Bruce Floor flew out to see... Uh, showcase and i remember us just being so bad like i remember nick was dropping his sticks and we were just a mess was it was and, this like uh, in a rehearsal room or something yeah like yeah exactly it was in a rehearsal room in north hollywood yeah and but but i remember no i was like oh this is kind of like this is kind of a big deal. Like these guys are coming out to see us play. I remember being nervous. I remember they were like 45 minutes late and I was like, Oh fuck, they're not going to come. Then they mm -hmm. came, we played, I thought we sucked, but they saw something. And, um, 
they ended up offering us a deal. So we were, I guess by this point, we're juniors in high school and we end up signing a deal with RCA. And, but with, yeah, it, no, it, it was. And how, how does that work then in terms of, you know, I guess we've had a few guests on that are kind of, that have been in kind of their late teens and still in school and signing deals. How does that work over there in terms of like those yeah. commitments be at that age, you know, still kind of doing, doing what you're doing kind of in education? Yeah. Well, they, they said they wanted us to finish high school, you know, um, and it, it sort of sounds like they were being more benevolent than they were. I think, I think they, I think they saw some maybe kind of, you know, that we might turn into something interesting, but you know, they didn't know that and they wanted to see what would happen and, and to, to have us, you know, if, if we did get good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was a record deal. It wasn't a production deal, but in practice it was, they almost just wanted you deal. wanted to kind of commit you to the label whilst yep. you know, kind of you were you were growing and developing and yep. getting getting through school. It, yeah, things. exactly. Cool. So so that's what we did. So our lives didn't change. I mean, I guess that you know we did we got like an advance that you know I think was pretty modest. Probably wouldn't be modest now, but uh, for the time it was. So we had like these monthly stipends. We would get um, checks every month, and um, and we could use we could use the deal as like work, what was it like work credit or work permit. So we got to leave school early <laughs> because we had a record deal. That was pretty, pretty tight. Um, and we just kept, you know, kept playing around and, and writing and rehearsing every day. And um, at some point there, I think, yeah, we're seniors in high school now. Nick Myers, our drummer, starts to sort of get cold feet about like doing a band full time and I think maybe feeling like, you know, he was a little bit of an odd fit for us. He was a couple grades older than we were. He had already graduated. He wasn't into right. punk at all. I mean, he sort of, he, he would kind of play along, but he, his, his, <laughs> his bedroom was lined with like Rush album covers and, you know, he was like a drummer's drummer and wanted to like, you know, kind of, you know, wank he off. Play, and, he wanted to play rock music. and yeah. yeah, and we were like, no, just play fast and simple. And he was like, kind of resented <laughs> that. But, um, so he left the band and we started to audition a couple people. And um, we auditioned this guy, Rocco, who was in a band called 1000 Mona Lisa's. And another guy who'd been in another punk band and they were they were good but they were you know sweet p and i were 16 and 17 at the time and these guys were like in their late 20s or something and to us that was right, okay. you know. yeah super old so to you at that time. yeah we jennifer harold who was now managing us the radio asylum woman who'd hooked us up with yeah. brian maloof was now our manager she uh, knew Don was and knew that his kid played drums. She had just interviewed Don for something. So she, you know, got his info and we auditioned Tony, Tony Faginson. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, I remember he came in and like, 
pleated shorts and like a letterman's jacket and like frosted hair and stuff. And I was like, oh God, this ain't going to work. And then he played and he was really good. And, uh, and I was like, oh, we can, we can change him. <laughs> we can mold him. We can give him good records to listen to. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, that's, that's how that came about. And, you know, he was a great drummer and that was the original lineup of um, the band or okay. Eve Six. So, so when did Eve Six actually become Eve Six? Oh, did right. Yeah. Journey? So when we were recording the, oh, okay. So now we're rehearsing, we're gigging with, with Tony. Um, we have, a, you know, a bunch of songs we had, we had Inside Out at this time. Okay. And yeah. um, Brian Maloof came to a rehearsal and, and listened to it and then took us out to Musso and Frank's on, on, uh, on Hollywood Boulevard that I think just mm-hmm. closed. Um, it's like this, you know, old school place, been there forever. And he was like, he was like, yeah, I just, I don't hear it guys. Like, I don't, I don't see this working with anything that's going on now. I just see you guys falling through the cracks. I remember just being crestfallen. And yeah, he's I was like, just going to say, that must have been crushing to hear, particularly at oh, the Oh, it was crushing. As well. It was crushing. Yeah. yeah, like just, just, just abject, just rejection, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. but he was like, he was like, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of money to get these songs off your chest, which was like the ultimate, <laughs> you know, like they suck, but record them so you can move on. And, uh, <laughs> and so yeah. he gave us a tiny budget. There was a record by a band called the Cunninghams that this guy, Don Gilmore had produced. And yeah. we thought it sounded, sounded great. And, um, so we got in touch with him and had him come down and Tony's dad had a studio at the time called Chomsky so we we didn't have to pay for that so we could give give Don a little bit of money and we recorded like four songs one of them was was Inside Out one of them was Showerhead um I forget what the others were Brian Maloof flew out heard it and was like oh huh like I remember him saying (laughs) he said something like it sounds like you threw the kitchen sink into this one or something. I remember thinking, I don't know what that means, but uh, like, is that, is that praise or, you know, like friend or foe? Um, But he was like, he, he, he liked what he heard and gave us more money to finish the record. And, and we did, we, you know, we, we made a record, did some of it in Seattle at a place called Stepping Stone, did drums at Sound City out here, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. and uh turned it in and it was the the head of radio promotion at the label at the time a guy named ron for who heard inside out and was like i can i can get this song to number one you know which is the way those guys yeah. think but you're kind of glad they yeah. think that way because you know they attach their name and their ego to something and then they they want to realize it i guess and he did so so you kind of credit inside out then to the the real kind of the, that step step up i guess really well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that and was did, the song. You did know, you, we, did we you know? Broke. 
of did you know when you it. when you wrote it that that was that that, that was gonna you know be be, be that track or <laughs> it's so funny this- man I, I i remember after after writing that song and i and i wrote the chorus i forget i think i wrote the chorus first and it had a different verse or something like that and then yeah, I, I don't remember exactly in where in the process, you know, it, it happened or where I said this to Sweepy, but I remember in the morning before school, after having written a, a section of the song or maybe found the two parts that work together, verse and chorus, I was like, man, I, I, I wrote this song that I feel like it could get played on the radio. <laughs> I remember telling yeah. him that. Did, did um, so obviously you said, when you first did some stuff with Don Gilmore and he, and that song was one of them. Did he kind of like grab it and just like change it around a little bit? You know, you know what producers do, obviously. Yeah. He, it was your first time working with. Yeah. Producers. Don, Don, you know, was a huge part of that record. Cause I mean, we were so green and um, like inside out had like nine verses or something like that. I remember him being like, <laughs> okay, like, <laughs> yeah, this we're gonna chop all this stuff out and don had a way of being like you know critical and but um and sort of pushing definitely would push push me and say like that could be better or that needs to change but for for some reason like like it that didn't freak me out that wasn't that didn't stop it made me want to like get in there and see if I could make it better as opposed to it being like some, it didn't scare me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, who, who, uh, who, sorry. I mean, just, I guess more for our listeners kind of really, I mean, who would Don Gilmore kind of worked with at, at that point already that, that you kind of, you're aware of? Cause that must've been quite a big, big deal for you knowing the, you know, some of the artists he's worked with to go, go, you know, go and work with someone of, of that yeah, stuff. well it was interesting cause he hadn't produced anything. Okay. Of note, um, we were his first hit record as a producer. He had engineered Pearl Jam 10, and he'd engineered um, an Alice in Chains record, I think. Um, So he'd done some some definitely pretty amazing engineering work. But but yeah, his, his role was really, especially with the song like Inside Out, it was like, okay, you're taking all that shit out. We're going to do three times through, um, he was all about threes, like, um, of, of the verse in Inside Out. And we're going to go to, like, the, honestly, I think the thing that is most interesting about Inside Out, like, musically, is the, the chord change before the chorus. And, like, that's just not something that I would have been capable of, of doing at the time. That was a Don thing. That was Don, yeah. Yeah. And, uh. And so it was trimming all the fat. That chord change was was definitely done. Um, the arrangement starting with the guitar and the vocal, you know, that's sort of the way we had it. But um, there wasn't a there wasn't a bridge or an outro in the song. And right. okay. so um, I think we did have the the chords. I think I think the chords were the same i don't totally remember but but uh i remember we recorded the song and we had 
you know, the outro where I'm singing the chorus over new chords. And then there was that palm muted section with no bridge. And he was like, okay, go, yeah. you know, go write. There needs to be a lyric in this part. Go, go write a lyric for it. Okay. And I did. And yeah, that's sort of the way that one happened. But you were, I guess you were pretty, pretty important to, to the start of his kind of production, you know, work as a, as a producer then really. And yeah, that, we were that, his that, first, that, his that first hit some, record. Some pretty, pretty big things after that as well, right? Yeah, he did. Um, he went on to do the, you know, the big Linkin Park record. Um, I think he did two Linkin Park records. Yeah. yeah. And those were, I mean, after that, you know, it was just like, I mean, he was just Every, the biggest yeah. producer Everyone, of the Everyone time. wanted a piece of him, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so you wrapped up that record with Don then, and was it pretty much straight on the road? Were you out on tour straight after that, or? Yeah, so we, we went into the studio like the summer after we graduated high school, so maybe like August or something like that. Yeah, and and you all gra- you we, all graduated successfully. That's a good. It, oh man, I my my mom actually had to like implore my guidance counselor to pass me. I mean, I I, I had <laughs> up until the record deal done done okay in school and then i just you know i had all the arrogance of a 17 year old first off and then a 17 year old with a record deal i was like oh fuck this shit (laughs) 17 year old punk rocker with a a record deal yeah yeah so i just kind of stopped going to school you know but um but they did pass me i mean i got some dismal yeah you know dismal grade point average but they passed me um but Tony sure? had already graduated. He was okay. going to USC at the time. He would drop out right. shortly after we started touring. So I guess from that, from there, you're you're raring, raring to go on the road, right? You're raring to go on tour. Yeah, yeah. I think it was in the spring that we started touring. And uh, who was the first tour in a van? Um, it was just us, I think. Okay. Yeah, we were just going around, and the song was starting to climb the chart on the radio but it was like a really slow really slow climb but at the time there wasn't like big guitar rock on alternative radio it was really skewed like lilith fair um you know sarah mclaughlin type stuff like that was kind of the sound of alternative radio at the time that and then there was like you know some like uh you know some DJ stuff. It was like sort of more electronic, and we had this kind of, you know, uh, unabashed like rock song thing. And so it was just, I think, kind of a hard sell. But it was like, but it climbed, you know, slowly but surely climbed the chart. And we just toured. I think we probably did like four, six months or something like that in the van, and then the song started to crack, you know. And it was like, guys, like, this is it. This is a hit song. Like, it's, you know, it's like working. We started, and then we got the tour, um, Third Eye Blind tour, um, the Bonfire tour. So, yeah. After they released their first album as well, was it? Yeah. Well, so I'm trying to remember when they, remember that their record came out in what, like, was it like 96 or 97? Uh, 97, I think. 97. 97, yeah. Self-titled, yeah. 
yeah so they were an arena band at this point i mean they they sure. they had like you know five hits off that record and yeah and we were we were fans of the record too so it was like we were like yeah hell yes so a dream and then it did the, yeah on, sorry no yeah that's yeah we we did we ended up doing like six months with them because we did one like three month tour and then it went straight into the mtv campus invasion tour which was also our two bands so we were out with them for a long time oh, okay so did you get on with them well <laughs> <laughs> interesting reaction <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean uh he's he's a, he's a strange strange bird but yeah i mean yeah. i i uh you know, I, I always found him kind of entertaining, like, um, <laughs> yeah. but, but there was no, I mean, there was no connection really, but, it, but it's also sort of like, yeah. how could there be like, I mean, he was, he was like 34, I think. Was he that when, old by then already? Yeah. Yeah. He was 34 when that record broke. So, wow. and we're like 18 and 19. So, you know, we were kids yeah. and. Um, no, they were they were definitely. I mean, they were good to us, and I mean, it was a huge opportunity for us. It just wasn't like yeah. we were bros or anything. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Sure, you just took it for it was. So yeah, no, I was just curious about that because he he definitely seems like well, how you describe him. I just wondered if he was back in those days, but it sounds like that that's always kind of been his vibe, I guess. Yeah, and it, and there is <laughs> there is like an an aspect to that kind of thing. Like I don't I don't know how much of it is you know real or how much of it is is sure. affected yeah. but it is fun yeah. to watch you know not <laughs> right. to like equate him to like a gallagher or something but he had, he had a little <laughs> yeah. bit of that of, of that thing going on and yeah. uh yeah yeah there was a, a a good moment when um we were in birmingham alabama and yeah i um i had got really drunk and i think it was halloween or close to halloween and there was a huge thing of candy on the front desk of the hotel we were staying at and i i just kind of picked it up and started walking away with it to my room and they're like oh sir you can't you can't take that candy please bring it back and i i said i can do whatever i want i'm stephen jenkins from third eye blind <laughs> yeah and so they called his room and and woke him up called his tour manager and then the next day we do our show i walk off stage like Right after yeah. getting back into our dressing room, a big, burly, good old boy, um, <laughs> you know, cop walks yeah. into the dressing room and he's like, uh, Max Collins? I said, yeah. He's like, you're under arrest for blah, 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 blah. Stealing candy. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, cuffed me and you know walked me backstage like you know on our on the way like toward the back of the venue and when we got to the area behind the stage all of the band and crew were there and yeah. he gave me like a hearty slap on the back and was like i'm just fucking with you and it was like you know uh, okay it was, i was like well well played well played yeah 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 that, that's pretty funny. even then it sounds it sounds like a gray area because that sounds like complimentary candy if, I, if, if i'm honest 
you, you've it's got up. right. Yeah. yeah, right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, like, you know, we're really going to split hairs about amounts here. I mean, complimentary candy should be complimentary. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what other big what other big tours did you do in this period, sort of in, in the years after after this first album in the late 90s? Was there any others yeah. that stood out apart from apart from these big third eye blind ones? Right. Oh, yeah. The Somersault Festival's Canadian festival that Our Lady Peace uh, put on. The headliner was Smashing Pumpkins, oh, I wow. think. Well, it was like Smashing Pumpkins, A Perfect Circle, Our Lady Peace, Some 41. Um, who else? But yeah, those, those, those were the big ones. That was probably the biggest tour. It was basically a festival tour, like um, wow. a few weeks what long. Was that like? What was that experience like? Uh, it was it was really fun. Yeah, I remember that being a good time. Um, and then the funniest one we did was Bon Jovi. That would have uh, for the the second record store we got offered that. How did and you end up getting offered that? What, where was the uh, who was who's making that happen? I don't know. I mean, probably like a manager or agent who's like, um, you know, was there a young younger, you know. Trying to Band make Bon Jovi look cooler. Basically. Yeah, it's it, which is a yeah, it's a funny idea that like get Eve Six on, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that'll make him cooler. But uh, yeah, we we did that, and that was just sort of. I mean, we kind of said yes as a joke. I mean, it, 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 even though it had been you know like as a kid, I fucking loved Bon Jovi, but um, yeah, you know the, the shows were were terrible for the most part it was just like we were like walk on music for bon jovi their fans couldn't care less yeah but yeah. uh but there were there's there were there were some good moments too we, we did giant stadium and that was pretty epic cool and you did talk you did tours with, with lit and good charlotte right it was, was yeah we did or, or was that was the that same tour like, well that must um, have been after after your next record because because presumably that well certainly good charlotte wouldn't have been a thing Cause yeah, because horoscope was two that was horoscope two thousand. Horoscope was two thousand. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, we took Good Charlotte out on horoscope, and we took Lit yeah, out that makes on the first record. Don Gilmore, oh, okay. yeah, Don yeah, Gilmore's second sense, yeah. second uh, the record he produced after us was the Lit record, A Place in the Sun. Oh, okay, and then he and he also produced that first Good Charlotte record. So yeah. That, that was I all like in the which family, bro- which both blew up pretty, pretty big, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, what? Well, just want to ask you a little bit about horoscope, like so. Uh, presumably, so that that was with Don Gilmore again, right? Yes. Right? Yeah. You did you have more like there was more funding going into that one and. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that would have been 2000 and, uh, yeah, we'd had a, we'd had a hit record, you know, I mean the, so we got, you know, I mean, there was no doubt in our minds we wanted to use Don again. We loved him. Yeah. And, uh, we did that record at a place called NRG, which was kind of his studio at the time. And. Um, 
Yeah, went in with a lot less material because we've been touring for 18 months. And, you right. know, whereas with the first one, we've had like three years or whatever. How the basically the however long we'd been a band to come up with stuff. So we went in with a lot less, but um, there was a lot more writing in the studio. Um, and promise the first single was actually that actually was an older song okay oh, wasn't I, it? okay it's one of my favorites yeah actually yeah so that was actually written long before oh, you went in yeah, yeah, yeah that was actually written well, oh thanks guys that was written yeah sure. i think before the first record the first record came out i think it was after the really? re- after it had been recorded but yeah i i remember that that I, I was like at a friend's house or some, a friend of mine was house sitting. Oh yeah. A friend of mine would house sit for Will Wheaton. <laughs> Do you guys remember him? This, the Star Trek guy, the Star Trek actor. I can't, say, would house sit. I can't say I do. I'm just going to Google him now. Yeah. Google him. Yeah. Star Trek. And we were there and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I <laughs> He was from La Crescenta, which was the little town we lived in. My friend would house it there. We were there. We like okay. we were like drinking beer, and I remember I I don't know what got me all. I remember getting sort of pissed off, and I left. I don't remember why. I walked home, which was far and up a you know steep hill. Probably would have taken me like forty five minutes to get home. Yeah. Um, got home, went into my bedroom, and wrote that song and with another fucking four verses or something. I remember that being another one that Don was like, <laughs> yeah, clip, yeah. you know, yeah. but, um, and a slightly different chorus lyric. And I didn't have the chord changes in the chorus where it goes to the F sharp and all that stuff. It was like all just A D E D the whole time. Uh, okay. But, uh, but yeah, that was the first single and it came out and was competing with all of the, you know, testosterone rock, uh, stuff that was on the radio at that time so yeah, now we're yeah. instead of being up against like um jewel and sarah mclaughlin it's papa roach and kid rock and stuff so <laughs> how did you know, it perform? We're, how did it get on against those songs? It, it performed well outside of the context of coming off a number one crossover smash right but right. but using that reference point it was a stiff i mean it, it was like a top five alternative song but yeah. we could have put out anything probably and it would have gone top five. It didn't stay there very long. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And then we put out, what was the second single? I think it was On the Roof Again. Oh, was that the next single from that? Okay. I think it, uh, was it? I remember there was another single. That also didn't work. And then... Um, the label was like, okay, well, we're going to put Here's to the Night out to pop. Yeah. Like, we're not even going to go to alternative radio. Yeah. Yeah. Which we're going to go to pop know, radio. Yeah. Because it couldn't get away as just a straightforward pop song for sure. Oh, yeah. No, totally. It, it wouldn't have gotten. Yeah. And so, and that's, that's what they did. And we made, made that video for it that kind of served up this, this, you know, neat little coming of age narrative that could, you know, um, 
you know, graduation song thing. And uh, it became, a, a, you know, it worked. Um, yeah. It was like a big pop song and video. And I, I think the... I think the video kind of led the charge because it was like, uh, you know, it's like number one TRL and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 of course. And, uh, and the radio kind of followed suit. And so that, but that was a really strange time because we went from being this rock band doing rock festivals and stuff to doing shows with like the Baja Men and Jessica Simpson. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you were making that album, were, were you kind of, because of, obviously a song like Here's Tonight is, you know, can, you know, can be taken as a straight up pop song. Did you, were, were you like consciously thinking we want some songs that are just going to be completely radio friendly, like, and like a lot of the, the pop rock songs are just all, all major, major chord progressions and stuff, like more so yeah. than the first album. Was this like, you know, deliberate thing? I think, um... I think I was probably moved by Third Eye Blind a little bit, just being so, you know, we were out with them for like half a year and, um, you know, and I was 18, 19 years old. And like, so just what I was around got in. And I remember I, I wrote the melodies and chords to that song in Little Rock um, while on that tour with just like noise, like just gibberish, you know, actually I remember what they were. It was all in the same wide comfort stare means nothing, but that was, that was to the melody of here's to the nights we felt alive. All in the same wide comfort. And, uh, and wrote the lyrics later. Um, and yeah, the production on that record was just all Don. I mean, I didn't No, it's, it's funny. Like I didn't, I, it started so early for us that it sort of started like our career started before I had a comprehension of sounds and how you make a record sound a certain way, any of that stuff. I almost didn't care, like, which yeah. sounds yeah. crazy, but, um, you know, in, in hindsight, like if I made those records today, they'd sound nothing like, well, I mean, the songs would be different too, but, but, uh, I suppose you were doing what was just coming naturally to you, yeah. as, you know, like, and, and that's where it all starts essentially. And it, it's the likes of, of Don who actually refine that and kind of, you know, yep. send you in different directions and kind of pull things in. Exactly. And, you know, and that's their job, right? That's that's what they're there to do. Yeah, exactly. And he he did a good job of it of making our taking our very, um, I don't know, unrefined kind of thing yeah. and making it palatable. I mean, like, the, even to this day, there's a couple of songs on that, that album, like, where the bridge middleweight are, like, some of my favorite bridges slash middleweights in sort of pop rock music, like, particularly oh, wow. the song um, uh, Nocturnal. You know that track? Just the oh, when that riff shit. comes in off the second chorus. I love, I, I, to this day. Honestly, I have to listen to it again. <laughs> I don't even remember, I don't even remember what that, I do remember that song was, uh, with eleven teen, we had a song of the same name, oh, yeah. and I think there were there were parts of that song that were kind of re-upped for. But yeah, that's funny. I'd have to listen to it again. <laughs> yeah, go back and have a listen when when you get a Yeah, sure. 
So, so you take you obviously you've done you, you've done a ton of touring over the years, but you, you didn't you didn't actually get over to the UK, right? Not the, we not, the, did. not the way. Not that we're aware of, but yeah, go on. Yeah, we did once or twice. Um, yeah, there was a convergence of sort of factors that kept us, I mean, unfortunately, and in hindsight, foolishly, from doing more overseas. Um, you know, part of it was we, we just had this huge success here, and, um, and we felt like we should be playing here. Yeah. Um, and the label was sort of disorganized over there. Um, okay. But we did do one tour. We played, what's the club? Like 99 something or? Club 100. Uh, you mean the 100? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, the 100 club. In, in, on Oxford Street? Yeah. Oh, what did you just, did you play, you headline your own show there? Yeah, we did our own, we did our own show there. We did, uh, we did like a three week European, UK and, and European run. And, uh. That would have been in 98, I think. 98, 99. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I came to you guys when I was, like, I turned 18 in the year 2000. And that was like the time okay. I heard yeah. you. So it makes sense. So, it was, yeah. so, yeah. so was, there, was there much going on? I mean, you say that, you know, they were a bit disorganized internationally for you. Was it, I guess, was that a bit disappointing in terms of a, a tour for you? Or was it, was there a yeah it was a little bit i mean so it was no one really knew about you over here no one knew about us yeah we're we're you know we're playing to like not many people actually i remember the 100 club show being pretty good but okay. um yeah yeah you know it, it was just it was a hard sell for us being yeah young now successful entitled <laughs> you know you've had your success over there and, and like you say i mean your success inter internationally kind of almost bears on you know the the people you work with uh I yeah guess we, we had i mean we had vinnie vinnie caruana on on the podcast from movie life the other day, uh, a few weeks ago and yeah they, they have a massive following over here but you know that is all, almost a product of the relationships of the people who look after them you know completely right you know and you know that's something yeah. i guess yeah yeah. Yeah, and then we we had another tour booked um in Europe and this was toward the end of I mean we'd been out for like 17 18 months um toward the end of the first record and I was at this point really drinking a lot and really kind of suffering some mental uh issues that and, and I kind of just collapsed over. I mean, I was just like, I can't do this. And uh, we ended up yeah. canceling like a three week or month long tour, which I think really kind of uh, sealed our fate. Um, right. Came home, took a little bit of time off. Um, do I have this right? I'm trying to remember. It's hard, it's hard to remember. I think we had another I think we had like another month in the States and um, my, I got a call from my manager and he was like, um, you know, you're, you're drinking way too much and um, here's the deal. Like you're, you either finish this tour um, without drinking or you're coming home. <laughs> which 
which was kind of incredible. I mean, he's he's he passed away a few years ago. His name was Stu Sobel, and uh, man, he was he. Did you have a pretty he, like, close relationship? Did you What's have that? a pretty close relationship, kind of before? This yeah, moment? I think there was kind of he had kind of a paternal yeah. feeling for us a little bit, and um, I mean, just to, to say to say that. Um, I mean, that's like was leaving a bunch of money for him on the table, you know, and uh, and I mean, I didn't even like hesitate. I was like, well, fucking, I, well, I'm coming home, <laughs> you know, yeah. like um, so. And th- there were a couple things where he really kind of saved our, you know, just or did the right thing rather when it would have been more advantageous to him to do something else. And an- another example of that was with selling our publishing like after we'd had you know this huge hit song and we're getting like these crazy offers for publishing deals and and he was like don't don't do it don't take it like keep keep your publishing you'll be glad you did and you know he would have commissioned that um right right so yeah pretty remarkable for for a manager both both of those both of those calls so yeah so, so what what happened from the, from that point? Then you took a bit of time off. Is that when your kind of hiatus kind of no. started, or did you just take some time and you were back you were back at it for for a little while? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I sort of I like saw a counselor, went to some meetings, did had no desire to to like stop drinking, so I didn't, and uh, okay. and we that we got back in, made horoscope, did that tour, <clears throat> came home. Um, made it's all in your head. Wrote it's all in your head. Made it, which took us a while, but um, yeah, because yeah. that was like recorded. The end of 03. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. We we just we were making bad decisions at, at that point, and um, just took way too long. Ended up having like four different A list guys mix it. Like just blew money, and uh, and then yeah, that's what like the record did it sold like a quarter of a million copies which for the time and the you know what the previous two records had done was it was a failure and the label clive davis had moved in at rca and they just like ran the numbers like oh these guys spent x obscene amount of money on this record and it it only sold this and we got dropped and and the hiatus the hiatus came from there was it um yeah, I think we continued to do some touring, but at that point, I mean, I was pretty checked out. I'd been pretty checked out for for a bit. I just was kind of really not not super well. And uh yeah, so I guess we called it quits after that tour, maybe like 04 or something. Okay. Yeah. Um I got sober in 06. And, but yeah, so the band, I think we started playing out again in what, like, 08 or something yeah. with a different guitar player. Yeah. So and what, what were you doing with yourself in those intervening years? Were you still, like, working in music on some level or were you doing other stuff? Yeah, I did a couple things. Um, me and the drummer... The well, the now ex drummer of Eve Six, 
did like a little thing that was bad and uh and yeah when i got sober i in 06 i really just focused on that you know i mean i, okay. I just really focused on that i wasn't writing a lot i wasn't you know um and the band started to play out again a little bit with a new guitar player a guy named matt bear who's mm -hmm. who's Matt, now matthew coma like i don't know if you guys have heard of him but he's uh you know he's the voice of you know he was he he wrote clarity by zed he he sang um he wrote and sang a bunch of like huge zed and tiesto songs and stuff he ended up having these unlikely okay. just the wow. success in that in the dance world right. and now he's doing a band called Winnetka Bowling League which is great but um all right okay yeah and but it was kind of a creative just purgatory for me like I I, I didn't really write in that time and the stuff I did write was was awful um and it wasn't until Sweet Pea came back into the fold in 2012 and right. we decided, all right, let's just, let's do another record. Don, we got Don Gilmore on board and yeah. um, we made Speak and Code and it was sort of during that process, that writing process, working with Don again and stuff that I started to kind of find my voice again a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like my writing voice and like, um, and and Sweet Pea, too, being back in, I think, like, I just sort of lost a sense of self or something. Um, yeah. And so we made that record and toured it. And, uh, yeah, it. There, the single was called Victoria. It shouldn't have been the single. I think the song called Curtain <laughs> should have been the single. Yeah. Curtain's a got a bit more depth to it i would say yeah victoria yeah victoria was and you aw say awful i mean like <laughs> it's an and it, it it's an awful song and it's an awful video at least the way the, the way the song like the song could be good if it was a, a you know it, done in a totally different way but like right. this sort of weird i don't know so that at the, at that point in the band there was a lot of <laughs> creative friction between myself and the drummer really oh, and right. okay okay so a lot of butting heads and um you know there, but there were these sort of fixed roles within the band that were hard to kind of you know contend with and uh so yeah he ended up leaving the band not until i guess recently a couple years a couple years ago but um okay. The band at this point is really, we are talking about doing, we want to do actually like a five song punk covers EP with maybe one new song on it. Oh, nice. And um, okay, cool. so we are talking about doing that, but it's it's more of a live entity at the moment. What, 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 kind, of, what kind of live covers are we talking or can you not tell us? Oh no, sorry. I mean, uh, the, the the songs the songs wouldn't be recorded live. I'm just saying, Eve Six right now is is active really as a live band more than yeah, it yeah, is yeah, a record making yeah. thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but we've we've thrown a couple of ideas out. I mean, I'd love to do a Screeching Weasel song. Right. I'd love to do a Kink song. Yeah. 
Right. Um, so I guess punk is maybe didn't, like a, a loose term here. Yeah. Didn't you already do a kink song uh, one time? Oh God! Yeah, yeah for that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The new guy, right? That's yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think the movie yeah. is called The New Guy. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. That that was rough. But uh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, but I'm yeah. So I'm doing a new band called called Fitness, and that's where yeah. where my kind of energy is is going creatively it's with myself and kenny yeah. <coughs> excuse me Carkey, i was uh, who was in a wall nation until sorry go ahead oh yeah sorry i was just gonna say like because i listened to the ep when you put it out and then been listening to the full length more recently when i knew i was going to be talking to you because like i really like the song you put it on the full length as well um oh what's what's it called it's like oh get dead no, no, no. What's what's another song that's on the EP that's on the sorry on the full length? Um, it's like it's one that would definitely be a single if, if you were putting one out. I'm got this up. So um, is it matter of time? Yes, matter of time. The yeah. guitar vocal song. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I heard that on the EP, loved it, and then so yeah. No, the record's really cool, man. It's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, we're just gonna say we have another one coming out. In, I think August we're gonna be putting out a song um, I forget what the date was like July 27th or something a song called Yellow Jackets that just, we're really pumped about mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah I'm, I think we're gonna have what we were thinking it was just gonna be an EP but we already have a ton of songs so probably another full length but that's been really fun nice cool so, so what kind of stuff were you doing on this this songs and stories tour then? Was it kind of just a mixture of EU six? I guess do you do kind of your own your own kind of acoustic solo stuff that you're writing? Yeah, as well, well it was it was uh, Eve all Eve six except for Matter of Time. I did Matter of Time oh, too, okay. just because it, it you know it's it lends itself so well to that. And uh, yeah, and I came out and did you know we did like five or six covers together. We did, um, we did, well, one of, so each guy would pick a cover and then um, all of the other guys would accompany. And my first cover choice was Ace of Base, All That She Wants. And which, I, which was, we, we had some good banter around that. But I actually think that I, I, yeah. I, I love that song. It's so strange yeah. and good. It's, not, but, it's um, not as good as the sign, but that's just, that's just. Yeah, well, you know, we're own, just going to have to agree to disagree. but uh yeah we did a warren zevon song gorilla we did a barry mcguire song eve of destruction i guess he didn't write it but he uh you know made it famous um Mm. we did you don't know how it feels by tom petty we did nice uh fuck an rem song that i can't remember the title of now and we did uh, "Dead Flowers" by the Stones, so that was that was really fun. And then I came up with Chris for "Radiation Vibe," and okay. yeah, it was it was really cool. It was like, like I said, I got to be out with guys who I had, who you know, I've been fans of since I was a kid, and you know, and, and still am. So it was cool. So what? So what else are you doing, kind of outside of music these days? I obviously, 
kind of been dipping in and out over the last few years? Is you know, is there anything else you you know you're yeah. into these days? Well, just parenting. You know, <laughs> that's okay. that's a big one. I have yeah. two little girls, oh, nice. um, an almost six-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Oh, nice. And, um, Keeps you pretty busy, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Do you guys have kids? We don't, no. No, but we, I mean, yeah. we, I guess, we, I mean, we, with the with the podcast at the moment, we're kind of, we're going through, uh, I, you know, we're interviewing a lot of kind of guys from from your era, from our era in kind of punk rock and you know, we're, yeah. we're speaking to a lot of guys who are kind of settling down with children, how, talking about how much their lives have changed over the years. And, yeah, know, move, yeah. Moved on from, from those. It's pretty of, extreme. Yeah. Yeah, the funny thing is when you go out on tour and it feels like relaxation. It's like, oh, I can <laughs> I can sleep in, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, it's it's great. I mean, other than that, it's, it's really, my life is, you know, there's the, Eve six compartment, the fitness compartment, mm-hmm. the dad compartment, and uh, that's that's pretty much it, you know. That's a nice setup. Yeah. I do do like some writing, you know. I'll do outside writing stuff when opportunities come along, and uh, oh, so yeah. I do I do some of that. But um, yeah, those are the the, the main trifecta. Cool. So, what would be your advice to your kids if they wanted to? get into music when they grow up <laughs> oh man you know art had had a great um answer to that question when it would come up in the q a he'd be like he'd be like do something else unless you have to do this and if you have to do this don't give up and i think that's pretty pretty solid I don't know. I don't think I'd, I, I definitely wouldn't discourage art, artistry of, of any kind. Um, I, I would just tell them, you know, for me, I think I could have used a mentor <laughs> um, in, you know, in a sense, Don was that, but, but it was different. I, I could have used like a creative <clears throat> mentor. Um, and, someone to just remind me, you know, to keep my sense of a sort of a true North and yeah. someone you know, who'd be important. I guess someone who'd been yeah. on, been on your journey. Well, not your journey, but on a similar journey to you. Obviously don't yeah. very much in the production world, but you know, exactly guess, right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's what I would, would tell them because, um, it's so easy to get, um, to start, just prioritizing badly and to, you know, me like to wanting to avoid confrontation and therefore, you know, stifling a a part of yourself and, um, you know, stuff, stuff like that sort of like probably age old predictable things. But, um, you know, I think that's, that's what I would try to impart to them. Um, well, listen, Max. We don't want to take too much more of your time because we um, this has been going over an hour now, and like we just want to thank you so much for it. So I guess we'll try and try and wrap this up in a second if that's cool with yeah. you. We'll let, oh yeah, no, we'll I, let, I really appreciate it. We'll let yeah. you get back to being Dad Collins instead of uh, yeah. <laughs> Punk Rock Collins. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Uh, Nick, do, should we just give the quick fire thing a, uh, a shot just before we wrap this up? <laughs> yeah, we can go for it. So, so what we've been doing uh, with some of our guests is just a bit of a, a quick fire section towards the end. Just uh, uh, a couple of questions, answer as quickly as possible. Uh, we'll, see, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, cool. we'll cut it out. We'll cut it out if it doesn't work. But uh, all right, all right, Nick, cool. I'll let, uh, Max, if you're game, Nick, I'll let you uh, okay. start this one. Bear in mind, Chris, yeah. ma- Chris made this whole complete list, so it's nothing. <laughs> okay. <to do. laughs> okay. So the first question is: acoustic or electric? Oh, electric. <laughs> Solo or band? Band. We got East Coast or West Coast? I think we know the answer. West Coast. Yeah. Come on, West Coast. <laughs> uh, lit or Good Charlotte? Oh, damn. You guys are good. You good. <laughs> um, wow. That's hilarious. I can't wait to tell this. That's going to be. I can't wait to tell a couple folks about that question. Um, lit. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> uh, we've got self titled or horoscope. Self-titled because for all of its like glaring blemishes, it was really a pure thing. Um, it was done before there was any, you know, I don't know, any any ulterior factors had had moved in, and um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So it's a lovely answer, but it's not very quick fire. <laughs> oh right quick fire shit yeah. uh, it's good answer it's good answer favourite movie oh The Big Lebowski although hey. I'm tempted to say I saw this movie called um, Old Boy the other day oh wow what, the, the ri- yeah what the original no, the, Korean one the, the American one what was the that remake. like I've seen the Korean one but I haven't seen the okay. remake okay it's is it good fucking intense um i'm not gonna yeah I, okay i wouldn't put that as it's just been in my mind since i've seen it but yeah i'd have to go with the big lebowski i've probably seen it i don't know 300 times we just have it on repeat yeah. on the bus i think me and chris have watched it like at least 100 times together no. yeah. and we don't even we yeah that's awesome. different cities so yeah we good answer uh we got favorite type of food vietnamese that's like that's like my comfort food good shout love it uh favorite tv show the wire nice yeah like that uh and chris has left the the toughest one to last well maybe it's not so tough um (laughs) it's uh, eve six or fitness oh man that's that's (laughs) way that's fitness I mean, I'm so, I'm, I'm so when, whenever I'm asked what, you know, my favorite song of mine or whatever, I can't help but yeah. say the last thing that I finished. And, yeah, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and it's That's so, you always hear other artists say that too. And you're like, oh, yeah. give me a fucking break. You really think that shitty record <laughs> you just made is better than blah, blah, blah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, you're talking to a songwriter. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's good, man. Um, I guess we can, we, yeah, we can just uh, finish this off. Max, thanks so much, man. It's been a been a pleasure talking to you, particularly having listened to you for all these years as well. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it, man. This was fun. Nice one. Awesome. Yeah. Cheers, yeah. Max. You take care.
So that was uh, Max Collins of Eve Six. Um, good chat, eh, Chris? Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Some really cool stories. He sounded like a really nice bloke as well. So just yeah, yeah. That, that yeah, like that's just what exactly what you want from one of these. Um, so yeah, it's great. Yeah, nice so one. Just want want to thank him again for it. Cool. Okay, well, uh, next up, we, we're going a bit left field with, with our next guest. Um, we've got Jason Tate on. Um, maybe not a known name to a lot of you, but Jason Tate is the founder and creator of uh, AbsolutePunk.net. Is that right, Chris? That's right, yeah. Yeah, uh, and currently looks after Chorus FM, which um, is a, a webs, webzine, website, um for I guess the 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 alternative music, yeah, and punk it's rock. a huge part of our scene. He, I mean, he's been a huge part of our scene. For yeah, time, so. so both me and Chris have you know followed Absolute Punk in you know in the in the, in the two thousands, and that was our kind of source for for music news and punk rock news and tours and gigs and review you know record reviews. So we're really looking looking forward to getting him on and kind of scratching the surface yeah. around you know get his insight on what it's like to to work in in that world. Um, so yeah, um, I guess we will uh, get into that next time. Um, but in the meantime, you know, give us a follow, a like, a subscribe. Uh, across all our, our platforms Facebook, Twitter, Instagram um, make sure you're following the podcasts on our on our streaming platforms on Spotify, on Podbean on iTunes um, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you soon thanks everyone bye bye